Good morning, Crossroads. Thank you for joining us this morning. For those of you watching online, we thank you for tuning in this morning. If you're in the building, would you please stand and worship with us this morning? Here we go. Against the power of our 
Amen. Let's thank our great God. You, let's worship Him this morning in praise. Thank Him. You may be seated, please. We're so glad that you're here today. You guys smile when the sun is shining. Have you ever noticed that? It's a beautiful day out there. Look at each other and say, you're smiling. You're beautiful. Give them, give them that heads up, all right? All right. Hopefully that was your wife you said that to, okay? All right. This morning, just a few announcements. I just want to welcome everyone and say thank you for joining us here. We're so glad that you're here today. For those that are joining us online, would you welcome our online congregation this morning? We're glad to have you online with us today. Just a few announcements. If you this is your first or second time here, I would like to invite you to stop by our Welcome Center. Actually, you can stop by there anytime. But if it's your first or second time here, we have a gift. We just want to say thank you for coming and, uh, and just give you a little bit more information about the church. So please just stop by the Welcome Center after the service, and they'll be happy to help you. Uh, we have coming up, we have a car show that will be starting up here. Every Tuesday night, there's a car show. And so uh, the guys with the classic cars, men, women with classic cars, they all come out and they, they fill this parking lot. So I want to encourage you to come up on Tuesday night. They're right after work from 5 o'clock till sundown till about 9 o'clock. There's always a good concession stand being made in the gym. Hal Breinick runs a concession stand. There's a whole lot of fun stuff that happens up here on Tuesday nights. That will be starting on Tuesday, June the 1st. So I want to encourage you to come on out and check that out. That will run the entire summer. And if it's raining, it won't be running, all right? So only if it's uh, weather permitting. But I want to encourage you to come up and uh, have a hot dog and meet some people. And it's just a good opportunity for us to get the word out about the church. Uh, you'll see the signs out on the road. But I'll tell you, the way that the word really gets out is by you. You go out and you spread the word. So go out and cheer on and give give good word for uh, for the people in the in the community and let them know that, hey, you got a classic car, come up and hang out at the church on Tuesday night. And then we have our uh, our grads. We're going to be honoring our graduates from high school and college. So if you have a grad that is graduating, we want to encourage you, please go to the church website and you'll see it says graduates. Click on there and put in your information and the picture will upload them. And we're going to have on Sunday morning, June the 6th, we'll be honoring our graduates in both of our service. And that's always a fun time of year. We know this was a, a challenging year for a lot of these students, right? They, many of them were online only. Some were like half online. So the last year and a half has been really a hard time for many of these kids. We want to rally around them. And that will be this Sunday, uh, the, I'm sorry, a few Sundays away, June the 6th. And then we have Vacation Bible School coming up. So I'm going to give you things to put, a few things to put on your calendar. It's Vacation Bible School, July 12th through the 16th. Again, our mission is to bring people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. So we're going to do this mega sports camp up here, and there's going to be kids all over this campus. There'll be soccer, basketball, baseball, I don't know. Don't quote me. There's going to be a lot of fun for them, right? But uh, you can get information down in our children's ministry, but uh, you'll be hearing more how you can get involved, how you can help. I know they'd like to have a lot of helpers. They'll be doing even more than just sports. I heard that there's cooking and different things like that. So... People, uh, they're trying to hit all the needs of the, of the kids, and so we're going to be helping the kids out here and having a great vacation Bible school coming up. That's July 12th through the 6th, all right? And then we have our movie night. We're going to be starting off with our summer movie nights, okay? That's June the 18th. This movie, The Croods, all right? I hope it's a good movie, but 
Uh, it's uh, one of them Disney movies, all right? So we'll be putting up the crudes out here out in the parking lot. It'll be our drive-in movie again, okay? So we're, they've got some new exciting things. They're looking for some people to help serve. We need people to set up the screen, tear down the screen, put up concession stands, and all kind of fun stuff. So please stop by the table in the foyer if you are willing to help serve. She's, uh, uh, <clears throat> she'll be out there today recruiting people to help serve. So I want to encourage you to jump in and help us serve. So there's a lot going on. And then on August the 1st is our church-wide picnic. So we're going to have a church-wide picnic. Mark your calendar. Cindy is organizing that. And she's Cindy Loudon that you see in the foyer. She's organizing it. And she asked me to make sure it gets on your calendar so that you cannot go on vacation on August the 4th. Okay? So if you would rather go to the beach, shame on you. Stay at church and have a hot dog, okay? I'm just kidding you, all right? I'm just kidding you. But I want to encourage you, put on your calendar so that, uh, so that you can plan to be here, all right? That would be August the 1st. And, uh, and then just, uh, just a matter of family here in the church. I just want to ask you to pray for one of our families in the church here who, who lost a loved one this week. Um, Jamie Zayak went on to be with the Lord this past week. Jamie helped in our preschool. She was a, an aide in our preschool here. She helped in our Wednesday night children's ministry. And over the last three, four years have been part of our church. And so we know that she's with the Lord. Um, she, uh, she looked us right in the eye and said, man, I know where I'm going and I have complete peace. And I thank God for that. And that's what we're here for, folks, so that you can have complete peace to know where you're going when you die. And, uh, but she did ask for prayer. Um, before she left, she said, I just want prayer for my family. And I want you to pray for her family, um, leaving behind her husband, Matt, and two small children, Levi and Maddie. And Levi and Maddie are seven and five years old, I believe. And I just want to ask you to pray for this family. She was a young lady, 42 years old. A um, lot, lot of pain in our world. And, but uh, I'll tell you what, this is why we exist, so that you know for sure where you're going when you die. Amen. So um, I just want, I want to just uh, pray for that family today. I want to thank you for your giving. You, uh, you have been faithful in giving, and I want to encourage you to continue to be faithful in giving. Um, give online, you give through the mail, or you give through the boxes in the wall here in the back of the auditorium and in, in the foyer. Uh, we, we, we appreciate and thank your faithfulness to God. You know, that, this, is, this belongs to Him. When we give, we give unto the Lord. And I always tell people that this, this is unto Him. And so the scripture says that God loves a cheerful giver. So when we give, it is cheerful because he is the one who's provided everything we have. And that makes it so, that makes it so wonderful to be able to say thank you, Lord. So as, uh, while we don't pass the plates, we have the boxes and all these other ways to give. We, uh, we just want to, we want to say thank you. We want to, uh, remember our act of worship this morning. Let's go to the Lord in prayer, shall we? Father God, I come before you, Lord, and I, I just lift up our church to you. There's many, many needs in our church, Lord. Many people are suffering. Many people are going through pain. Lord, today we remember uh, the, the Zayak family, Lord. I thank you that Jamie came here. Her walk of faith flourished here. She found Jesus. She is a believer. She is in your presence right now this morning. God, I thank you how that she served for the last few years faithfully, even with a battle of cancer, fighting cancer, day in and day out. She would come in and keep serving until just very recently, God. 
Lord, thank you for how she served in the church. She attended here. She, she just wants her family and her, her friends to know Jesus. And so, Lord, as we look forward to that celebration service that we'll have in the next few weeks, Lord, we just ask that you will be there and that you'll be honored and you'll be glorified. But, God, also that uh, you'll be with her family, Lord. So we lift up Matt. We met, lift up Levi and little Maddie to you, Lord. And we just ask that you'll put your hand upon this great family, Lord, that, uh, that you have started to work. Lord, you said in, the, in Philippians, he who began a work in you will be faithful to complete it. So, Lord, we pray that for that family now. Lord, you've started to work. And as you brought Jamie onto your side, Lord, I pray now that you will continue that work in their family and just comfort them and guide them and give them peace. I lift her mother Fran up to you and, and just so many other people in the church have been touched by Jamie's life. Our whole preschool staff, Lord, I lift them up to you. We're, we're heartbroken, Lord. But we thank you that you are God and that you are worth every ounce of our being. And, Lord, thank you that we can know for sure that we're going into meet you when we take our last breath. Thank you. That's why we exist. That's why we do this every week. God, we thank you for uh, all these events that are happening. I pray you'll put your hand upon each one of them and that you'll bless each one and guide us in many miraculous ways, Lord. Let us see more and more people come to know you through all all the uh, things that you, we believe that you have led us to do, Lord. God, we thank you for the giving. We ask that you'll bless each gift and each giver, Lord, as we cheerfully give to you and bless your name. Thank you for you, Lord, most of all. In your name we pray. Amen. in our remarkable series, we've been looking at the remarkable Jesus, and he is remarkable as, uh, as we've been coming out of pandemic mode, and thank God we're coming out of it. Amen? Let's thank God for that. That is in the rear view. But uh, as we've been coming out of this and moving on, I've been, I was asking the Lord, God, what do you want us to talk about? What do you want your people to know? And I just felt that God was leading us as a church to just keep investigating the claims of Jesus. Keep looking back and finding who is this Jesus? Who is this remarkable Jesus? And so as we jump into this today, I, um, we're, we're going to see an incredible teaching that Jesus gives here. And for some of you, it may be familiar. Uh, for others, it may be brand new. But I want you to catch because I think we're going to see something new in it this morning for all of us, whether you've heard this or not before. So I, I want to just uh, take you to this Mark chapter 4. It's particularly um, appropriate right now as growing season has happened around us. And like, you know, if you haven't noticed it, it's growing, right? Everything's moving again. Like your grass has turned green and it will soon turn brown again, but it's green, right? So it's like you've cut, and I, I've been out there, I've cut my grass. You know, I'm supposed to cut it twice a week at this time of the year, I think is what you're supposed to do, but I managed to get it twice a month, and I think God is very happy with that. So, But anyhow, let's, uh, let's look here into, into Mark chapter 4, verse 1. And again, he began to teach by the sea, 
And a great multitude was gathered to him so that he got into a boat and he sat in the, on the sea. And the whole multitude was on the land facing the sea. So as we talked before, Jesus would often get into the boat like the crowd would be gathering around him. And so just to push back from the crowd a little bit, he would sit in a boat. And so he would sit in, in, on, the, on the Sea of Galilee along the Capernaum shore. And so he would sit there and he'd just kind of push back a little bit, get out a little bit so that he can see a larger group of people. And also what would happen, it was a natural amphitheater. As he would speak, remember they didn't have microphones and all this wonderful technology that we have today. As he would speak, the volume, the, his voice would come off and bounce off the water to the ears of the people. So it would amplify it. Maybe you have noticed that when you get onto you know you get onto the water, it's amazing how sound can travel across the water. It just kind of bounces across. This is what was happening. So he's teaching to this big, large crowd of people. He's facing facing uh, facing the land. All right, continuing on. Then he taught them many things by parables, and he said to them. So he begins to teach them in a parable. And so when I want to just give you this real quick thought on a parable. A parable is a heaven, an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. Okay, earthly story. Everybody can understand what the earthly things are, but it has a heavenly meaning. And so as he would teach this, he would come and he would give this to the people. And it was incredible. Some of the truths are incredible. And this very first parable is so important. As a matter of fact, we're going to see that he says that you've got to understand this parable to understand the other parables. And so he he starts out and he gives gives them the parable. He's taught them and he says, listen. And listen, when the teacher stops and says, listen, I mean, that's a command. He got their attention. Not only did he get their attention, like you all sit up. I mean, just for me to say that, you're like, what's wrong? When the teacher says, listen, so he's like, listen. And so he gets their attention. What he's about to tell them is so important because when the teacher says, listen, he wants that next point to really be taken. So he says, let me tell you this. Behold, a sower went out to sow. So he's talking about this this farmer, if you will. So a farmer goes out and everybody in this landscape of the Sea of Galilee, everybody in Israel understood farming because it was a farming agricultural society. So if you weren't a farmer, you still understood it because... Everything, you saw it around everywhere you go. You know, we have tracks farm down the road, but we're really not an agricultural society. So I really don't understand much about farming. But when I go out to eastern Pennsylvania, pretty much everybody out there understands farming. Like if you've ever been in the Lancaster area, you understand farming. I went to a conference one time in Mannheim. I go out and there's this big church out there. And I get out of the car, you know, and I mean, I had driven through miles of farmland to get there. And then, you know, and if you're if you're a local, you understand also what happens on those farms. And you also understand the smell of that farm. And and I'll never forget. I had the rudest awakening of my life. I was like, this air is so thick out here. You can taste it. You know what I'm saying? That manure that they spray on the farms. I was like. And then I go into the church, and the air conditioning system was pulling it in. And I was like, do you people do this all the time? And they're like, what? I said, there's like a sore backed up or something. They're like, no, that's the local farmers. I said, you're telling me you have church like this. 
They're like, yeah, we don't even notice it. I said, how can you not notice that? See, this is what the land was like for these people. They understood this. When he said a sower, when he said a farmer goes out to sow, to plant the seeds, to plant his crops, he understood that. He said, everybody, it was like, you know, like the air being thick in Lancaster, you know, and that, it's like, wow, they, he just understood it. And so he says, behold, a sower goes out and he goes to sow the seed. And it happened as he sowed that some of the seed fell by the wayside and the birds of the air came and they devoured it. So he says, listen, as the sower is going out, he, he throws the seed. And so what the sower would do is he would walk along a path. And as he would walk along the path, he would just kind of throw the seeds everywhere. And uh, and so it says, as he sowed the seeds, some fell by the wayside. So there were these little paths. And, and it would cut you through the farmland. And, and so you would walk through there if you were the farmer. You would walk through there if you were trying to get from destination A to B. There were these little paths. And so as you walked on the path, the path would get hard. And the path would be, be like pavement almost, if you will. Okay? So he says, and the birds of the air came and they devoured it. And then he continues on. Some fell on stony ground, so where it did not have have much earth, and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. When when the sun was up, it, uh, when the sun was up, it was scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it and yielded no crop. But other seeds fell on good ground and yielded a crop that sprang up, increased and produced some thirtyfold, some sixty, and some a hundredfold. And he said to them, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Now, could you imagine if you came to church and I just got up and I told a story like this? I said, Yeah, you know what? I was at Tracks Farm the other day and I was planting seeds. Some fell on the, stone, on, on the path, some fell on the stony ground, some fell on the weeds, and others that really produced a lot of crop. Amen. Let's go home. You'd be like, what? I know I like the donuts at this church, but there's got to be more here than that. And that's what Jesus did. He stood up and he taught in this parable. And so as he taught this parable, I want you to catch this because uh, he's at the Sea of Galilee. Um, he's, he's teaching. He, he's in this agricultural society. And he gives them three elements that, 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 that are so important about this. He talks, number one, about the sower. We see there's a farmer, a sower, somebody who goes out and spreads the seed. Number two, we see there's the seed. The seed's very important. Without the seed, you're not going to get a crop. And number three is the soil. And so he goes through and he talks about the four types of soil. And, and as you go through this this morning, you may be the person who says, oh, I, I'm not that type of soil or I, I wish I were that type of soil. So as you come into this this morning, I don't want you to think like that. That's not what this passage was intended for. When Jesus was teaching this, he wasn't anticipating that you would go out and somehow manufacture the soil. We're going to catch the depth of this passage this morning, and many times I missed it myself. He says there's four types of soil. Number one, by the wayside, those were the narrow paths like we talked about. They, they would crisscross the fields. And, and as a matter of fact, when Jesus was with his disciples in Mark chapter 2, they were on one of these paths. Because as they walked on one of these paths, they were picking the grains. 
And they told the, they told the disciples, you know, hey, why is it that, uh, that you guys are harvesting on the Sabbath? What is wrong with you people? So a- as he goes through that, we know that Jesus had been walking there. The paths were dry. They were unprotected from the hot climate. Um, so it was a hot, arid climate. They were hard-packed foot traffic. And when a seed fell on it, it couldn't penetrate. The birds would follow the farmer. So as, as the bird, as the farmer would go around spreading the seed, invariably the seed would just fall into the path. And he's taking out of his bag and he's just shucking the, the, the stuff everywhere and the seed just kind of falls on the path. Unintentionally, but many seeds are there. And so as he moves forward, all of a sudden in comes the birds. As he would move to the next section of the field, the birds would come in. You know, yesterday I went out and cut the grass. It was a beautiful thing. It's a monthly occurrence. I got I got an award for it. And I'm out there with my hat and my glasses on. I cut the grass. And you know what? I, it was two hours later. I jumped in the car to come up here for Saturday night service. And I see all these birds in my backyard already. They were having a feast. Because I ain't ranking it. Right? It's just laying there, and that's my, that's so kind of me to help the birds, right? But listen, them birds, they come in, they're like, I couldn't believe it. There's like six or eight of them, and they were not the little baby birds. They were some big birds. And Glenn, you know what I'm talking about. We're from the city. You see a big bird, you get afraid. Like the only big bird we like in the city is giant eagle. That's the big bird, you know? But look, I came up here one time on the hillside out, out front. There was a flock of them black crows and big, I was scared for my life. I thought, you know, there's that movie about them crows. I thought I was living it. I called my wife. I took a video. I said, hey, honey, you're going to have to come and get me out of here. This is crazy up here, right? But the birds, they come after the food. And when, and when you see the, these, these birds, man, they, they'll, they, they can be mean. They can, I mean, they go after that stuff. Number two, he says, on stony ground. Um, rocky, uh, there was, uh, there was another ground that was stony. And so a farmer wouldn't just plant on stony ground. Like when you think about this, the farmer's not, he's not stupid. He knows what he's doing. He wants to get the best crop. So some drops on the path. Some, when he's spreading it out, goes on to stony ground. And what it was, was it was ground that looked good. But it was shallow. In Israel, the ground had a lot of rock underneath the dirt. So you'd have a few inches and then there's rock. Kind of like western Pennsylvania, you have a few inches of dirt and then there's clay. And if you've ever tried to do anything around here, you you deal with clay. So if you were in Israel, you dealt with rock. And so the farmer would go, and he couldn't necessarily always see what was below the surface. So he's planting, and some areas as he would go by, he finds out that it was rock. And so they, the farmers would loo- take the loose rocks out, but invariably they would find that these, these rocks were underneath the surface. And so when the seed landed and germinated, immediately a plant would grow because that, that rock would trap a little bit of moisture, a little bit of warmth, and there would be a nice little sprout, and, uh, and it would begin to move. However, what looked good was only temporary because it didn't have enough room for the roots to go down. There was no way for the plant to develop the root system. So you'd have a sprout and it would get up a little bit and then it would just kind of, it would just kind of die off because the sun would scorch it. Couldn't, couldn't really draw nourishment. Number three, the third type of soil was among thorns. They would till the land and this land looks really, really good. It looks rich. It looks deep and it is. 
But in this land has a bunch of thorns. And the thorns would grow up with the grain. And so what would happen is the grain would start to grow, but the, but the thorns would suck all the water out. It, it, yeah, it was trying to put its roots down, but the, gra- the thorns were so thick and so heavy, it would suck all the nutrients out so the plant couldn't grow. And as Jesus is talking about this, everybody understood this. And then he comes to the fourth ground. He says, this is good soil. The farmer goes out and he throws a seed under the good soil. It's deep. It's free from thorns. There's no rocks. It's rich in moisture. It's rich in nutrition, uh, nutrients. And so when the seed lands in this soil, it grew up. Uh, It yielded a crop and it would produce 30, 60 or 100 fold. I'd say that's pretty good to get 30 fold out of a crop. 60 out of a crop or 100. I mean, that's incredible. As a matter of fact, in Israel at the time, a person would be expected, could, a farmer could expect to get six to eight fold out of a crop. If they got tenfold out of a crop, that would be incredible. That would be considered an above exceptional year. So when Jesus said to these farmers, to all this agricultural people, he says, when the sower goes out and he plants and he does this and the seed goes in and then it, it, it produces some thirtyfold, some sixtyfold, some a hundredfold, they all, they all listened in. They perked up at that moment because this was not normal. And then he says, he that has ears to hear, let him hear. Hmm, what was he talking about? As I'm talking here this morning, maybe some of you are leaning in and saying, well, what's he talking about? Some of you have been around and you you know what's, what, like you're already thinking about the condition of your life right now. And so you are already putting this picture together. But I want you to catch it because that's all Jesus did. Verse 10 says, but when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parable. So it wasn't just the 12. I always thought it was just the 12 that got it. It says those that were around him. So those, it'd be like after church, you know, and if I stayed down here, a bunch of people come over and say, Ken, what did you really mean about point number two? And that's what they did. A bunch of people would come over and they would gather with him. And among them were the 12 disciples. (laughs) They were with him all the time and they still didn't catch this. They still didn't understand what he was talking about. And so here he comes. He's in the parable form and he's about ready to give them. They come and they say, what's the deal with the farmer? Was the farmer angry or was the farmer drunk? You know, what was going on here? Why? Why would the farmer plan in some of those areas? And so he goes on and he's about to give them what it means. And he says this, verse 11, he said to them, to you, it has been given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. To you, it has been given. He says, listen, you're asking, you're coming here, you're wanting more. I'm going to tell you what it is. And let me tell you, you're going to understand the mystery. And the mystery, that word mystery is a truth that was hidden that is now revealed. That's what it means. A truth that was hidden that is now revealed. And I want you to think, if you go back and you look in the Old Testament, there was a truth that was hidden. It was called the Messiah. It was all over Isaiah 53. He was bruised. He was beaten. He paid the price for our sin. By his stripes, we are healed. By his wounds, we are healed. You go back to Isaiah 53, you'll find that. So that truth was hidden. And Jesus is saying, I'm going to reveal to you the kingdom of God. But to those who are on the outside, all things come in parables. So he's saying, listen, you guys are asking for more. Let me help you understand this. But for those that are on the outside, for those church religious leaders that are on the outside. Remember, it was the church leaders that were on the outside. 
Many people were very religious, but they were lost. They were extremely religious, but they weren't about to accept this Jesus, that he was the Messiah. They could not catch this. And they didn't want to know more. All they ever did was condemn him, and they wanted to kill him. He says, but to those that are on the outside, all things come in parables. So that's how they're going to get it. So that seeing they may see and not perceive, and hearing they may hear and not understand, lest they should turn and their sins be forgiven them. And so what he says here, he actually goes back and he's quoting from Isaiah chapter 6, verses 9 and 10. And Isaiah the prophet had given that prophecy seven centuries earlier to the Jewish people, to the people of Israel. And he says, listen, because your hearts are so cold, because you have hardened your heart against God, you are going to be so calloused and you will not accept. And so what he was saying was, listen, I have done these miracles. I have told them, I have spoken very plainly and very clearly, repent and believe, repent and believe, repent and believe. But from here out, Jesus is saying, from here out, you will now, I'm going to talk in parables to those people. And that's what happened. He, here's a shift in his ministry. So now he says, I'm going to throw the parable to them. And they, like many in this room, you'd, you'd sit there and say, what's he talking about? I really want it. And for others, you say, well, forget that. I'm out of here. And so Jesus began to teach in this manner as he went forward. And then he says to them, look here at verse 13. He, then he said to them, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? So this parable is key to understanding the rest of the parables. As you look into, into the Word of God and you will see Jesus' other parables, which next week we're going to get to three other parables. So in order to understand the parables, you have to understand this parable, all right? And so he says, do you not understand? I can't believe you don't catch this. You know, James, Matthew, you know, Peter, I can't believe you're hanging with me and you haven't caught this yet. Like, you've seen me heal people. I've told you to repent and believe. And when I talk about the soil, you don't understand? Let me tell you what it is. So here he goes. The sower sows the word. The farmer comes out and he sows the word. This morning, that's what I'm doing. I'm sowing the word. I am spreading it all over the place. Wow, it's so cool. Uh, Anybody who gives out the word of God is sowing the word. And this is not just for pastors. You do this every time you tell somebody about Jesus. Every time you mention his name, every time you put a little post out there about his name, some, some of it falls on the different soils. But look, he says, the sower sows the word. Then he continues, and these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. That hard path. It can't get in. Satan comes and takes it away. Hmm. Do you ever notice that a seed will grow on just about anything? When I was a kid, I, uh, I, I went to vacation Bible school. And back in those days, for crafts, you would glue seeds to paper plates. It was a great time to be alive. It really was. Forget this iPhone stuff. That means nothing to me. Well, I'm sorry. Forgive me. I was, plant, I, was, I was gluing seeds on a paper plate. And I'll never forget. I went home, and I don't know if my mom remembers this or not, because I have a lot of crazy things that I did. But um, 
I remember taking those seeds off the paper plate, washing the glue off, and trying to plant them. And I think it was a sunflower, if I recall. And I planted the sunflower in the dirt, and I left another one on. We had like this curb. In the city, you have, you have like this much. This was our backyard over here, right? So we had a curb. And I put a seed on the curb because I knew nothing about farming. All I knew is they told me in church that seeds would grow. So I washed one off and I put it on the curb to see if it would grow. I put one in the dirt to see if it would grow. And let me tell you what happened. Much to my surprise, I go back, the one in the dirt grew. But the seed that was on the hard ground, on that cement, it started to grow. Like just a little bit of water, a little bit of sunshine, and that thing went, and it opened up. A little sprout came out of that seed, and then it died. And that's what he's saying. And, and here's what happens. He says here, listen, beyond that, Satan comes immediately right behind the sowing, and he takes away the word that was sown in their heart. Ooh, key point there. Likewise, verse 16, these likewise are the ones sown on stony ground. When they hear the word, immediately they receive it with gladness. So, so they're in the shallow soil, and man... They burst up and they come up right away. But listen, immediately they receive it with gladness and they have no root in themselves, so they only endure for a time. Afterward, when tribulation or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. And then he tells me, says verse 18, he says, Now these are the ones sown among the thorns. They are the ones who hear the word. And the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches. Folks, riches aren't bad. It's the deceitfulness of riches. Like to to think that 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 would be a substitute for God, that that would make you happy, that that would fulfill you. So he's saying, listen, the cares of this world, we have many cares of this world. The things that we have to live in this world are not bad, but we have to deal with them. And so he says, the cares of this world, deceitfulness of riches, the desire for other things, Entering in, choke out the word. So it takes all the, all the water and all the nutrients and all the moisture in it, just sucks them dry, and it becomes unfruitful. But these are the ones sown on the good ground. Those who hear the word, accept it, and bear fruit. Some thirtyfold, some sixty, and some a hundred. Wow. So he gives them this. And then he goes on. And next week we'll see about three other parables that he teaches. But as you're looking at this today, I'm like, I'm overwhelmed as I look at this because as you look at it, you try to say, well, I want to be good soil or I want to be, you know, maybe, maybe you can look at a time and you can know whenever your heart was like the hard soil, like the pathway. Let me tell you, many people in this church at one time, their heart was like that. It doesn't mean there's no hope for you. It doesn't mean that you've got to fix the soil, because I don't think you can. That would be called a work of righteousness. God says, not by works of righteousness that you will be saved, but it will be by his grace alone. And so, you know, maybe the seed's been planted and you've, you've had a hardened heart. Um, listen, there are many people in our church. I always tell people, skeptics are welcome here. They're always welcome here. Take your questions and bring them to church. This is the place to, to go through this. Uh, if you're online, skeptics are welcome online with us. I want you to, to know that you can keep coming and keep growing. But listen, what happens is that there's a few things that come and will, will get us uh, away from God. 
that will hinder us from growing. And so as you look at this here, there was a time maybe your heart was hard. And I know a guy in our church, he came to me one time and he said, hey, listen, I'm coming because my friend invited me. And uh, beyond that, I don't know if this stuff is really true or not. And I said, well, skeptics are welcome here. Hang out with us. And he kept hanging out with us. And then then pretty soon he said, hmm, you got my attention today. And then pretty soon he kept coming back and says, hey, I've got some questions. And I said, well, we've got answers. I'm not a walking encyclopedia, so don't expect me to know them all right now. But I will find the right answer for you and I will help you because I wouldn't give my life to something that's false. And so we sat down and I watched him and I watched him and we, the seed watered, the seed grew and, and pretty soon his heart and heart broke up and all of a sudden it went down in. And this guy is in our church today. He's serving. He's faithful. And he's probably here this morning somewhere around this building serving. And his life has been changed. Can we thank God for those type of stories? Amen. But there may be a time that your heart was hard. There may be a time that there was weeds in your life. And so when we look at the weeds, I want you to think of this. They're choking you out. Those things come and they choke out and they take the water out. They take the nutrition out. And so there are three things from this passage I want to share with you this morning that will hinder your growth. You know, he's really talking about, you know, about your spiritual growth here. He's talking about God's kingdom. He says, listen, these are the things that will hinder you. I'm going to give you number one, if you're taking notes, the enemy is Satan. I want you to catch this. The enemy is Satan. He says that the one, that the seed who fell on the hardened soil, it wasn't the soil that was so bad. It was Satan came and took it. As I said earlier, a seed will grow on just about anything. And so that hard heart, yeah, it doesn't get in, it didn't produce the soil. But let me tell you, Satan came and stole it. And, and we've got to be very clear in our life today. I want you to know that Satan is your enemy number one. Your enemy number one is not your, uh, not your, 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 enemy, your neighbor that's gone bad. It's not a relationship that's gone bad. It's not a job situation. It's not a career situation. It is Satan himself. And Satan wants to come and he wants to take the truth that has been planted in your life and he wants to steal it. That's what he's good at. You know, um, look here, uh, uh, Luke 8, 12. Luke's account of this very same parable, he gives us a little bit more. He said that the seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message only to have the devil come and take it away from their hearts and prevent them from believing and being saved. So so here's what happens. You hear the message, and like the fellow I shared with you, he came in and said, I'm not sure I believe this. Satan was coming and was trying to steal that because he said, I'm not sure I believe this. And I said, whoa, 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 hang in there. Just keep hanging on because Satan's trying to steal that seed. I want you to know I'm going to water that seed. I'm going to let you have some time. And you don't got to do this right now today. Keep coming in here. Eventually, you'll get a donut in this church or burnt hot dog. Listen, as you keep coming and you keep knowing, and so what we did is we became friends, and this is what God does with you out there. He's using you for people. But I want you to understand Satan is the enemy number one of God's good work in your life. It always has been. From the time I was a child, listen, this was not about me. This was about God's work in me, and the same for you. It is about God's work in you. And Satan wants to trip you up. Let me show you what he does. Here's a few of Satan's tactics. Number one, he wants to discourage you. Man, life is going 
this way or that way, and we get discouraged. He wants he wants you to he wants to tempt you. He wants to come and tempt you to to uh, to do things that that are harmful to you, harmful to people, harmful for your spiritual growth. Tempt you to substitute this seed that God has given you with other things that will destroy. And by the way, when Satan tempts, he never tempts you with things that you would not go for. He tempts you with things that look so good. Always, Eve, this is what happened to Adam and Eve in the garden. He says, God said, don't eat of this tree. And Satan, the serpent, came and said, hmm, look how good that is. And it was very attractive to the eye. So the things that you are tempted the most with are going to be the things that look the best. Like right now, I'll tell you, there's things that I'm not tempted with out there. I mean, I can just walk right by them. But there's other things like, man, I have to keep my guard up. And I have to say, okay, Lord, I need you to protect me from the tempter. He will accuse you. You know what Satan does? He loves to accuse you. He loves to come to you and say, hmm, you really think that you're saved? You really think you're a, a child of God? Hmm, do you remember when you were 17 and you did that? Uh, do you remember what when you did that last week? Or better yet, do you remember what you just said five minutes ago? And Satan comes in and he says, you call yourself a Christian? Hmm, a Christian wouldn't act like that. He's accusing you. And then he lies. Satan is a liar. Listen, everything about him is a lie. He lies, lies, lies. And this is why God told us here, Ephesians 6.10. And listen, what he'll do is he'll come to you and lie to you about your future. Listen, I'm not going to lie to Satan about his future. He's going to the lake of fire. Excuse me. I get a little bit excited about that. (laughs) You know why? I've watched people wreck their lives by his lies. But that's the truth. There's no lie about that. He is going to the lake of fire, and, and, and he will be out of my... Right now, i got to deal with them. But let me show you how I deal with them. Ephesians 6.10, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. I can't be strong. I can't face Satan by myself, folks, and neither can you. you got to be strong in the Lord and in the power of the mighty hand of God. Because when Jesus died on the cross, he... No, listen, man, that was the last day for Satan. That was it. All Satan thought he won. He was like, yes! But Sunday was coming. And Sunday, Jesus was triumphant, and it was all over. And Satan has been fighting ever since. Satan was one of the, one of the angels of heaven that attempted a coup to overthrow God. And he's known as the fallen angel. And so he fell, and the angels that fell with him are his demons. So he has power, but not more power than my God. Be strong in the Lord and in the might and the power of his might. Verse 11, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes, the wiles of the devil. Because that's what he does. He wants to accuse you. He wants to lie to you. He wants to uh, uh, tempt you. He wants to destroy everything about you. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, Against the rulers of the darkness, against uh, of this age, the darkness uh, rulers of the dark world, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places, and we are facing this today, folks. This is what God, what, what Satan is doing. He's trying to tempt you, but God says there's victory. And so, where that seed has fallen in your life, let me tell you, we don't have to let Satan take it. 
Stand strong in the power of the Lord. And so there was a time maybe your heart was hard. Maybe there's a time your heart was uh, on, on shallow soil. Maybe there was a time it was on the rocks. And maybe right now it's a good time. Maybe you saw a good time before and now you're dealing with some weeds. There's a lot of things here. And look what Satan says, uh, the, the Bible says about Satan. It says that he's the tempter. These are his names. He's known as the tempter, Matthew 4, 3. He's known as the accuser over in Revelation 12.10. He accuses you, falsely accusing you. He is a murderer, a liar, and the father of lies. I love when Jesus does this. You know, like when Jesus, he doesn't do it often. But every now and then he just tells you like it is. You know, check this out. Matthew, uh, John 8.44. He was a murderer. Speaking of Satan, these are the words of Jesus. If you go in your Bible, it's red letters. He was a murderer from the beginning. Not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When Satan is attacking you, folks, remember, there's no truth in him. Wow. Doesn't that feel good? Listen, when, when Satan comes to you and says, uh-huh, and, and, and that's what he'll do. He'll come and he'll get something that, yeah, this happened. But listen, because that happened does not mean I am not loved by God. I am his once for all forever. I will always be his child. There is no truth in Satan. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is the liar and the father of lies. Oh, man. Last week we had Daniel and Anita Gonzalez here. And as you know, English is not their native tongue, is it? They're from Ecuador, and they were speaking Spanglish. And for 15 minutes you tried to figure out what was he speaking like, oh, brother, you know, and then he was here, he was there, he was everywhere. And uh, English is not his mother tongue. And let me tell you, Satan, his mother tongue is lying. And so he's known in the scriptures as this. Satan is known in the Hebrew. His name is Satan. And the Hebrew name is Satan. Very similar to our English word, right? It means adversary. In the Greek, it's devil. We, we know it as devil. This is the Greek word. It means diablos. Um, uh, I'm sorry. That was probably Spanish. I got my Spanish in there. Diablos. So anyhow, it's a form of that. It's very close, all right? But it means accuser. He's an accuser. In Revelation chapter 12, it says that he's a dragon. This is your adversary. This is your enemy. And so I want you to remember that that's the number one thing that, will, that is against your spiritual growth. What are we supposed to do when we have a thought that comes after us? Man, the, the battleground is in your mind, folks. Like, like this is where it's fought. I fight this every day. You fight every day. If I am going to keep following God or not, it's fought in my mind. And so what I have to do is I have to go to 2 Corinthians 10.3. And I'm just going to read it for you here. It says that uh, 2 Corinthians 10.4 and 5. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty. In God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, taking every thought into the captivity to the obedience of Christ. You know what happens when you have a thought that comes at you? Satan throws these thoughts at you. Not today, Satan. Not today. And that's a little bit more than just a nice T-shirt. That's more than a nice coffee mug. Not today, Satan. And this is what you do. You pray a simple prayer. You take that thought captive. You see, if we don't take that thought captive, it runs wild in our mind and then it destroys us. 
you pray a simple prayer. Lord, that thought is not from you. Whether it's a tempting thought, a lying thought, an accusing thought. Um, that thought is not from you, Lord. I take it captive in the very name of Jesus. And I pray that you will replace that thought with your righteousness and peace. Case closed. And that's how we have victory, folks. And I want to encourage you. Um, you know, we've got to pray for each other on this. Husbands, pray for your wives. Wives, pray for your husbands. We all have to deal with our thoughts. There's always a thought that will come after us. And listen, we will always be tempted to believe the temptation. Oh, this looks so good. How can this hurt me? Come on, people. Listen, be wise to the schemes of the devil. It's not just because it looks so good. It is because, listen, God, take this thought captive. It looks so good. So, good. so God, you've got to help me. I, I need your strength. I need your power. The second thing is personal persecution. He said that in the soil with a shallow seed, that they, it was because they were persecuted. But because of the, um, the, the, the rocks, the, the rocky ground, it was because of persecution of the word. You know, this happens today. We're being persecuted around our world, are we not? Do you ever notice that? That uh, today, maybe for some of you, it's whenever you named Jesus and your family laughed at you. That was enough persecution. You said, well, I don't know. I'm not going to go that far with it. You know, I'll just leave it at Sunday. I'm not going to pray throughout the week. I'm not going to read my Bible. I just kind of keep one foot in there. Uh, many people, when their family laughs at them, they're gone completely. You go into places like India and other places around the world. When they become a follower of Christ and they make it public, their family disowns them. In America, we've been, we've been facing some persecution, have we not? Screen is really having fun on me over there. Screen saying, hurry up, the next service is coming. I want to encourage you to be, ex- expect to be persecuted. Um, in our world right now, did you know, this time last year, we were celebrating because we could have church on the parking lot. You want to talk about an attack? This was a global attack on, on followers of Jesus. We have a virus that has a 98% survival rate, and you're not allowed to gather. I, I want to tell you, number one, in, in the state of Pennsylvania, we were never asked personally to not gather. Nobody ever sent me an email. Um, I heard everything on TV like you did. Nobody ever contacted the church. Nobody ever came up here. Nobody ever sent an email, a letter, nothing for us to not have service. We chose to do that at the beginning, thinking it was wisdom. Then we started to wise up and said, "Mm -mm, not today, Satan. And then we started having church on the parking lot. Um, I'm thankful that we live in Pennsylvania because the persecution here is not as great as it is in some other parts of our very own country. Can we thank God for... Pennsylvania. As I look throughout our world right now, I see I have friends that couldn't have church till Christmas Eve was whenever they opened up. What? It's okay that we the people didn't come. I'm talking about the the right to gather. I, I have friends that didn't open up till Easter this year. They were shut down for an entire year and a month. They were like, they, they could not have church. And so, listen, there was so much, and Satan was attacking us as the church. And so, we're trying to move forward. And listen, God is giving us new ground. And I'm not taking the, the virus lightly at all. Listen, there's hand sanitizers on every inch of this building. Have you not noticed? We never did that. I used to shake your hands all day. I used to shake hundreds of hands and then go to lunch. 
and take a hundred of you with me. <laughs> now, man, I got to like, my wife's like, did you wash your hands? You know, especially that fist pump thing. I might really get close to you. But listen, let me tell you, we're taking this thing very seriously and we're moving on. Thank God that's in the rearview mirror. But what I want you to know is the persecution is greater in many other areas than it is here. And as we move forward, expect to be persecuted. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 10, verse 22, you will be hated. Expect to be persecuted. So do not be surprised when it happens. And let me tell you this. Whenever they did that, the church was scattered. It just multiplied. Right now, we have people watching online that we have a higher amount of people than ever have joined us online. They're from all over the world. There's people in Canada. Uh, many times in Ecuador, but people in Canada, we have a lot of people that have joined us. Can we welcome our online gathering? We say thank you. We appreciate you. Let me tell you, when persecution comes, do not be afraid. Do not run. Do not let this thing suck you dry. And then last thing, number three, is this, the cares of this world. The cares of this world. Listen, here's what happens. The weeds grew up in the cares of this world. Oh, my house, my health. My family. These are all legitimate good things. But if we're not careful, we let them take over. The Word of God has got to take over. We still care our family, care for our family. We still care for our health. We still care for the people in our world. But I was thinking about this. I was having a discussion with my wife the other day. I said, you know what? I'm looking at our little house. And, you know, that was my starter home. And now it's my finisher home. And, uh, and, and I just saw that what God has done for us was he allowed us, he allowed the roots of the gospel to go so deep into our life that other things did not suck us dry. And it's okay to have a big house. Listen, it's great. I think it's wonderful. Um, but for us, this is what God did for us. And so as I'm walking this journey, I see I, we, God did not, that didn't happen because the seed took over. And it's, we're still here. We're still here. So whether your house is big or small, it doesn't matter. It's about did you let it take over you? Did you let this thing overcome you? Did you let the cares of this world overcome you? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. God wants you to produce some 30, some 60, some 100-fold. God wants to produce great things in your life. And he will only do this through his power and through his might. It's not because you're so good at the soil. Listen, when the seed takes place, let, let me tell you, the seed in my life, when the seed of God's Word hit, it took root. And, and listen, I had weeds. There was weeds. There was shallow times. There was hard times. There's been a lot of fruitful times. And so the soil will change in your life from time to time. But His Word is what makes the growth happen in your life. I want to encourage you today. Maybe there's some of these things that you could just beware of, that Satan's out to get you. And just tell him, not today, Satan. I'm taking that thought captive to Jesus Christ. I am his child. I have been bought with a price. And maybe for others it is, is not, only, not only that, but uh, maybe it's the, care of the cares of this world are, are choking out. They're taking all the energy out of your spiritual life because you're worrying. You're overcome with fear. You just want everything to be perfect all the time. God says, it's not going to be perfect. Once you trust me, I want to grow in your life. Father God, I pray you'll be with each one of us, Lord, as we respond to you, Lord. For those in this room and online today that need to trust you, 
God, may they just call unto you right where they're seated, right wherever they're at, and say, Dear God, I come to you, and I need you. You are my king, and I'm surrendering to you today. Father, for each one of us, Lord, we, we're fighting the enemy. And Lord, help us not to fight Satan in our own power. Help us to fight him in the might of God Almighty. Lord, we thank you for what you've done in this place and online. I pray you'll do great things in our lives as we take this seed with us and let it grow this week. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us. God bless you. You are dismissed.
beginning to the end of days Those words I've heard all my life And it's truth and power will always remain But as my eyes close and mind wakes No words come to fill the space Cause words They don't do you power much justice It's too great Too great to be bound By little letters we make up And it's funny that we sometimes think we understand the fullness of the glory by calling you this and that.